0: your state your team your show this is sports nightly
1: adrian gets the snap puts it in the belly of wandale
0: around the
2: side he's got a first down 35 30 wandale 25 20 15 10 5 he is in touchdown nebraska
0: now let's check the pulse of husker nation with your hosts greg sharp and ben
1: mclaughlin there was a football highlight, and there was news about Nebraska football that popped out today that has the media around the state salivating. They're going to get a chance to hear from Scott Frost, players, all the coaches, next Monday. I'll tell you all about it coming up. Welcome to the program I'm here tonight, Wednesday night, three hours of fantastic fun entertainment headed your way in the next uh, three weeks hours here on the Husker Sports Network. Delighted to have you on board with us here tonight. You heard Mick reference Jeremiah Searles, who earlier in the week announced his retirement from the National Football League. Jeremiah is going to join us here in just a little bit, talk about the decision that he made to, to push away. Can't be easy. It's never easy for an athlete to say, that's it. I'm walking. In any sport, whether you're handing in your glove for baseball, uh, putting the hoop away. Walking away from football, it's always a tough and difficult decision. We'll hear Jeremiah's thoughts about it coming up here in just a little bit. The Husker basketball team has departed for Ann Arbor. They play at Michigan tomorrow night. In fact, at this time, they'll be deep into the first half of the game. So we'll hear what the head coach has to say after a very, very disappointing Sunday where Nebraska lost at home in overtime to Northwestern with a dismal performance from the free throw line. We'll hear the head coach talk about that and other things when he met with the media before they departed here today. Wrestling coach Mark Manning will join us in the second hour as well. The Huskers are headed to Ben's favorite place, Piscataway, to the rack for the Big Ten Wrestling Championships this weekend. Huskers rank fourth in the country. That's awesome. But they're the third highest-ranked team in the Big Ten tournament, because <laughs> number one and number two Ben are in the Big, and number five's in the Big Ten. So the Big Ten has four of the top five.
3: What man? What a, they couldn't even get all the five teams in there? What a brutal league!
1: <laughs> what's what's wrong with the Big
3: Ten? Yeah, man, that's crazy. Um, hey, they've seen all those
1: te- teams before, <laughs> at about a week stretch. It seemed like yeah. there a few weeks ago. Sure did. We'll hear the the coach's thoughts about getting his team prepped for the Big Ten Championships and his thoughts about the season as well. So looking forward to having Coach Manning on with us in hour number two. Third hour of the show, it's buy-sell. And by the sound of it, is has Mick ever done buy-sell before? I think he has. I'm sure he has, but this this combination of Brett-Mick, this might be a first. This could be a new combination to fire questions that is coming up in the third hour. We'll, we'll be ready. We will be fired up and ready for that. And Husker women's gymnastics coach Heather Brink will be with us. They have a big ribbon-cutting for their new practice facility on Friday. They have a home duel with Missouri on Saturday. We'll get an update on where the women's gymnastics team is as they come down the stretch of their regular season as well. Uh, this, will be, this will be about the last chance to see them compete this year at the Levante Center on Saturday. Uh, so... Well, they, they'll have one more. They've got Denver coming in in a week. But you have two more chances to check them out this season. But we'll get the update from Coach Brink here about the ribbon-cutting ceremony, all that coming up in the third hour of the show. Welcome
3: back Sports Nightly on the Huskers Sports Network, often rolling on a Wednesday night. Very happy to welcome in now our first guest of the show and going to be a frequent guest of the show, Jeremiah Searles, former Husker, former National Football League offensive lineman um, put out an announcement today that you're officially joining our squad. This is a, a
4: match that we've been kind of hoping was happening for a while and and finally official man. Welcome to the team. Thank you, man. I couldn't be more excited. This has been something that I mean, from even when I was playing back to when I was like, man, when I get done with whatever career my football may hold, I want to make sure to come back, back with the squad here in Husker Sports Network and just keep covering the Huskers, staying close to football. I mean, there's no one better than you guys. You just.
3: Officially wrapped up mm-hmm. your your professional career and, and to kind of slide right in now back to Nebraska. We know we hung out quite a bit during that Minnesota game as therapy mm-hmm. sessions for <laughs> sixty minutes during that one, but now that now that you're you're getting ready to to hang up the cleats and just you know still be around the game what 's that mean to you personally just to have uh, that avenue to still be around football?
4: Well, I mean, the biggest thing for me is being around football is huge. But giving, giving back to the university and being around this university that's given me so much. I mean, University of Nebraska gave me my, my family, gave me my career, gave me my home now. And so I wanted to always make sure that I was going to still be involved some way, shape or form with the university. And so the fact of being able to be involved in football and the university is just a huge added bonus. I mean, I'm excited to be on the rebuild here. We're going into year three. I mean, I think there's sky's the limit for this team in the next two, three years. So, I'm excited to be around, be able to cover pieces like that, and really just helping grow everything here. Because I mean, we're such a, I mean, we're a powder keg at Nebraska here right now. And so, to be on the ground floor of the rebuild, I'm really pumped about. You
3: were kind of a part of that too under mm. Coach Pellini, just kind of trying to help him take off. Uh, what perspective can you share about kind of that process of? Of what it takes behind the scenes, you know, waking up to an alarm clock at 5 a.m. There were the accountability and responsibility that I know Coach Pellini had for you guys when you were players. Hearing from a bunch of your former teammates and you yourself, but now knowing that Coach Frost is kind of implementing that back, you know, what where these guys are perhaps at with this process.
4: Yeah, I mean, so I was lucky enough. I came in one year into Pelini's year, and I mean, they had some success their first year, which was really nice. Um, I think now going into Scott Frost's third year, the narrative of the team he inherited is now dead. And I think that he now has his guys. These guys are all his guys. You saw some guys leave, some guys come, add parts, like some parts leave. And so the big part I think that's going to be is how does this team mature? And how do they start winning those close games? But the big part of that is by doing the little things right. Like you said, are there people showing up on time? Are you doing the stuff outside of the meeting room to make sure you can perform on the field? And a lot of that's a trickle-down effect from the seniors on down. And I mean, if you think about the senior class from last year, I think they had three head coaches. Most of them had double position coaches. So I mean, it's hard to get the consistency of the same message over and over. And so especially, I look at a room like the O-line room. Greg Austin now had three years. He's developed a culture in that room. He's developed a message that he wants to have his seniors like live by. And those seniors now trickle it down to where these freshmen are coming into an already established room. And once he can get that in all his rooms and all his guys, then you'll see this team take that next big step.
3: Let's talk about spring ball. I think you know for us that cover the team, and, and believe me, you'll start You'll start falling in this trap too. Um, you know, the longer that you're with us, is become numb to it a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, seems almost like a nuance and a formality, but as a player, it's anything but that. Uh, you know, the the spring game is a giant practice, and you know, it's it, it gets overblown in my opinion. But you know, when when you are a player, it is very important, especially now with this new idea of graduating early yeah. and getting these freshmen in here walk us through Jeremiah just the importance of spring practice uh, just in terms of reps where your body's at you can kind of see where you're at after winter conditioning you know the importance and the and the fundamentals of what spring ball is all about
4: I mean it's so important for the young guys I'll say that I mean your first three years spring ball is where you make your biggest growth I think as a player as you get in your fourth and fifth year spring ball is more like okay don't get hurt be ready for the fall because hopefully by that point you're fairly developed and you're you started a year or whatever you have some playing experience but I mean, when you come to that first spring ball, whether you graduated early and came in or whether you've been through a season and now it's your first spring ball, I mean, you really start to get the big boy pads on because they're not coddling you anymore for a game week. Like, it is full go, full bore practice. And again, you like you said, you can now kind of measure yourself up to the other guys on the team that you've seen in the weight room, and you've seen how they work, and you see how everyone kind of works together. And it gives you a good ground lay I said, okay, these are the things I need to work on through the summer as I head into fall camp. These are things, okay, I did pretty well. How do I improve on those things? And really the biggest piece is learning the offense. Um, I think if you can learn the offense and really get into the playbook in spring and get a good knowledge of that, it's just going to put you light years ahead when you get into training camp. It's much like in the NFL when you have OTAs. Mm -hmm. It's much about, okay, install, install, install. And then when you get to your first couple weeks of training camp, it's not the first time you've seen it. So I mean, especially these guys come out of I mean, high school where you probably like, ran your play with what, two, two names maybe? Like blue left, and that was your play. and Now you got all kinds of checks. You got all kinds of check with me's. And, and so I think it's huge that these spring ball practices are used as growing opportunities, but also there's some toughness check to it. A little bit of gut check I mean Scott's going to grind these boys and see how far can I push this team so that he can kind of get a gauge for that. And then when you go into fall, he knows how far he can push them even further.
3: I don't want to get into too much of just individual players and, and mm-hmm. personnel, but there is kind of one guy that I think, you know, we basically talked about without talking about that is going to benefit largely from this spring, and that's Bryce Benhart. You know, up front on the O line, because you know, in a perfect world, he grabs a hold of that right tackle spot. They can shuffle some guys around and make this overall a better unit. Okay, so this is a guy that you know redshirted last year. A lot of hype coming in had the, the tough reality check of what it's like playing O-line from the high school to the college mm-hmm. level. You're not bigger than everybody. You can't just use your brute strength to push guys to the, round, the ground. How, how should a guy like this, who has all the opportunity in the world now, to basically be a four-year starter here if he wants to approach a situation like this?
4: So I was in a very similar situation when I went to my first spring ball. I redshirted. They were like, hey, you're going to go with the ones at left tackle, and we're going to see kind of how you do. And I think the biggest thing for him is don't make more out of it than it is. At the end of the day, it's still football, right? If you start trying to go, man, if I mess up, they're going to demote me, da-da-da. Like, just go out there and do your thing, because you're, they're not going to put you out there if you're not ready physically. They just won't. So if you go to spring ball and you say, man, I'm going to just do my best and do everything into my ability, because you know that War Daddy's got him ready in the mm-hmm. weight room. You know that the coach, Coach Austin's going to have him ready mentally. So now it's can he put both things together. Because that's what you see so hard for young offensive linemen, is can they put the physicality and the mental piece together like seamlessly. Or do they, you see them like, oh man, they're thinking too much, so they're slow. Or they're just trying to tee off on a guy and not use technique, so they miss him. So I think we're going to see a lot of growth from day one to the spring game for Bryce Benhart. But I don't think it'll be the end all be all. I think this is, again, laying that groundwork. And so then you won't see, OK, they won't make a decision until probably training camp. I think you'll still see Farniak probably get some reps at right tackle would be my guess, um, just to make sure Bryce all of a sudden can't pick it up. They're not like, hey, I know you played guard the yeah. last forever, four months. Like, just go play tackle. That's just not fair to a guy like him. But I mean, I think if they can have Bryce Benhart at right tackle and Matt Farniak at left guard, I mean, that could be a pretty dang good unit. I mean, this might be the first time that the Huskers have had multiple players that could play in the NFL on an offensive line since probably my class and myself, Rodriguez, quality, and long. Yeah. And that's a, good thing. that's a good thing to have. I mean, if you don't have guys like that, then obviously, you're not going to be as successful. So it's good to just be having that conversation again.
3: No question about it. Well, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the news of the week being J.D. Spielman. Not necessarily more about J.D.'s case in particular, but just how frequent this can be. And I think um, you know, now you being back as a part of the network and you know, you'll interact with our guys and our players, we'll see it maybe a little more than the fans will who maybe just turn on their TV or show up to the stadium on Saturdays and see these guys in uniform and, and just expect them to go perform. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on with these players and uh, being away from home, school relationships, you know, all this stuff kind of weighs on them. Uh, And, and I'm sure you saw it too, you know, guys that just in whatever area of their life may, may struggle a lot more than others and, and what this may be like for not necessarily JD, but the guys in that receiver room, or guys that he's close with on the team, that he's going through something like this, and you know, I'm sure something that you probably ran into when you were a player. Maybe not guys that left the team to go mm-hmm. home to deal with it, but you know, dealt with it every day here in Lincoln.
4: Yeah, I mean, everyone's different, right? Everyone's wound different a little bit inside. You never know what event could then have some issue where I mean, it's just too much for a guy anymore, right? I mean, I think of a guy, Brandon Brooks, unbelievable offensive lineman for the Eagles. Pro Bowl guy, he's their, he's their right guard, I mean, massive human. But he came out this year talking about how he missed a game this year because of his anxiety. And so, you, you just, again, you don't see it from the outside world. I mean, I didn't see it, and I'm in the NFL, and like you see these guys, but everyone deals with things differently. And eventually, sometimes it gets to a point where man, it's like, I just got to go home. Like, I just got to recharge. And so, I mean, I'm definitely hoping that he'll be back. I mean, he's an unbelievable talent. I mean, he's an NFL talent. I spent the entire week at the NFL Combine last week, and his name got brought up a bunch. And so I mean, he he definitely has the ability to play at that next level, but we need him back here. But he needs to make sure he gets himself right, however long that might take, how long that might be. I just really hope to see him in the scarlet and cream again come the fall. Yeah, very well
3: said. Well, give us an idea of what you're what you're up against now. I know you you've had some talks with some people at our network and in our uh, in our company about what's what's in front of you. Just Talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing.
4: Yeah, so the big thing that I'm going to be doing is last year on Facebook Live, we did Countdown Live. And for the first 11 games, it was just a live view of the warm-ups. And it was just kind of the, the camera, home stadium, away stadium, they would just kind of film warm-ups as they were going. And we've decided, let's make that a pregame show, a live pregame show. So myself and a co-host every week, We'll be producing a live pregame show for Countdown Live, talking about the matchups that week, talking about some other Big Ten games going on, but really focusing on, okay, here's our opponent, here's here's what we're going to do, and really just kind of a pregame show in that essence, but live. Because now you can chime in from all over your world. I mean, you watch those things. They got, hey, people, where are you from? You got, I mean, I think it's almost every state Mm -hmm. in like 10 countries, because Husker Nations mean worldwide, literally. And so we'll be doing that. I'll be also pushing out a podcast called Life in Football. Mamir well, Abdullah is going to be my first guest. And the big theme to that is, the, kind of like I led off with, I mean, the Nebraska football program has given me so much more than just football. It's given me so much more in life. Well, everyone has that story that's played here. I mean, how you got here, obviously, your football career here. But, like, what else did this school give you? What else did you take with you when you went on to the NFL, when you went on to the professional life, when you wanted to do whatever? Like, what else did Nebraska give you? And I think that's a kind of a cool thought process because – everyone will have a unique story with the same fundamental theme of this is what how it got me here so those are me the two really big things that um i'll be focusing on to start with and I'm just excited to be around the game again, man. I mean, being hurt last year and like, that was great. We were on the sideline. I got to go visit some of those games. But I mean, being on a, a now, an analyst's side now and being able to talk guys through it and talk people through it and maybe give people a little different perspective of a former player piece to it is something I'm really excited about. Well, we couldn't be more pumped to have you, man. It's going to be it's gonna be a lot of fun getting through
3: this and, and hopefully a successful year. So let's hope that's, that's on the way. That's a big one. Jeremiah Searles with us here on the Husker Sports Network. Look forward to hearing him and uh, being here with us on Sports Nightly throughout, uh, throughout the uh, fall and, and the rest of the year as well. Um, couldn't be more excited to welcome Jeremiah Searles and uh, Lauren Cook West into more of an expanded role here at the Husker Sports Network. I
1: haven't heard from the head coach since the disappointing Sunday game with a free throw. Free throw, can we call it free throw gate? <laughs> or just free throw? I don't know. I don't know. Bad. It was bad. It was
3: bad. Well, let's just start there. Coach Hoiberg asked about the free throw shooting against the Wildcats.
2: Well, we've been we've been working on some things and, you know, I thought he was getting better um, with his free throw percentage and his stroke, at least. uh, I thought was looking a lot better than obviously last game. He he had his struggles like like the entire team did. Um, You know, we'd been shooting. I think the last five, we were 65 percent, which isn't setting the world on fire, but it's better than it was uh, earlier in the year. And then obviously last game, uh, what is it? it was a disaster uh, from the line when he go eight for 30. And, you know, Bobby Lutz came in after the game, and he said. I don't think I've ever been a part of something like that. And I said, well, you actually haven't because it's the first <laughs> time it ever happened. And, you know, it's just uh, its unfortunate because, you know, it is contagious. It, it guys see other guys up there missing uh, that have been shooting pretty well, and then everybody's thinking about it all of a sudden. And it's hard to make a shot. It's hard to do anything when you're out there thinking as opposed to playing by instinct and just going out there and trusting your stroke uh, and shooting the ball. So, um, you know, we have been working a lot. All year on it, um, and we've made progress. We have. You look at our percentages where they were earlier in the year to where they were before the last game, and uh, you know it cost us. It cost us a game on the last one, but it wasn't only that. It was the turnovers. Uh, you know, 21 turnovers. We had some lapses uh, defensively in, in, in the stretch in the first half where uh, we got outscored by 10. I think in about a three and a half minute stretch, um, you know, we had control of the game. I think a six point lead and let them get right back into it and an eight nothing run. So you know there were several things that happened. Um, you know. We would have taken care of them, we could have closed out that game and won, even though uh, we missed 22 free throws.
3: Furthering that issue, um, I mean, at this point of the year, uh, what can you do about it? And Coach Hoiberg talked about working on free throw shooting.
2: Yeah, I, you know, believe me, guys, we we, work, we do work at it. We work at it every day. We have punishment runs. I try to put pressure on them. You know, every drill we would had uh, the last couple of days, we've had to finish it uh, off with making two free throws. And if you didn't make it, we we're on the line running. So, you know, you try to do the best job you can. But, you know, once you get out there uh, in that game atmosphere, uh, it's different. It, it is. It's different than being in here in a closed environment. Um, you know, the pressure is not the same. Uh, and when you see several, you know, the, the crazy thing is I think uh, Hanif hit the first two uh, that we had the other day in the game. And then after that, obviously, it was one thing after another. And I think we missed five in a row uh, to end the half. And then instead of going in, um, you know, tied or with a lead, um, you know, we're, we're, we're down, I think we're down three. So, you know, that's just something that, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get better at. And, you know, again, I think with things that we've got coming in and, and with the team that, you know, hopefully we'll be a lot better in that area next year.
1: They just shoot 50% Saturday, Sunday. They win by six or eight points. I mean, it's remarkable that they were even in the game going eight of 30. It's just crazy. Yeah, to, to have left 22 points on the, on the floor. And 20 turnovers,
3: too. Yeah, just a lot of bad happening right there. And unfortunately, resulted in a loss. What yeah. about Yvonne Drago, part of that? Coach Hoyberg talked about his freshman big
2: kid's a rock star. He's, you know, for a kid that has come into this league at this level for playing for the first time, and, you know, he doesn't turn 17 until – or 18 until March 21st. So to go through everything that he has and continue to keep a positive attitude and mindset, he went through a really tough stretch. And uh, that's when I changed the starting lineup. I put Kevin in, brought him off the bench, and I thought that really was a turning point for him. Uh, He's had his best stretch of the season since that time. And and to go out as a 17-year-old in the Big Ten game, In the best league in the country, and have 19 rebounds. That's pretty impressive. And uh, you know, the kid works. He wants it. He's always up in my office every after every game, watching his individual film clips. Uh, He spends more time in this gym, and you know, to to see his finishing improve uh, the way it has. That's all about work. And you know, he's getting in here every day before practice. He's in a full lather uh, going into it. Uh, But you see his body position on his finishes and that's one thing we've really looked at a lot uh, As we've gone on his body was really getting uh, off balance on his finishes and you see he's straight up and down now As he's going in he still has times uh, Where he needs to kick it and recognize uh, and read uh, the situation a little better But uh, from where he was earlier in the season to where he is now uh, It's been night and day.
3: He has shown a lot of improvement um, and the thing that I I continue to admire about Ivan, and you know, coaches has said that all year, is his ability and drive to become better. Um, but how have Ivan and the other freshmen handled this season all the adversity that they've seen?
2: I think uh, when you look at it, you know, we've been going for such a long time. And you, know, you look at Ivan a little bit different from the rest of the guys. He didn't play on the trip to Italy, but he was playing on his uh, under 18 national team. In fact, I think he was the youngest player uh, playing in that tournament. Uh, so you know, he didn't get much of a break. Heading into this, and you know, nor did our other guys as well. And you see Kevin uh, going out there as a freshman, and uh, Charlie Callsman getting some minutes. He's you know going to get a few more tomorrow. Um, so, you know, it's just you know with our guys right now, it, it is. It's been such a long year, and when you add the losing on top of that. Um, You know, some days, you know, you got to try to get them going a little bit. But I'll say this, as far as our team, they really have come in with a positive mindset and a work ethic every day, and that's a credit to them uh, for coming in and trying to stay the course and trying to get better. And, and again, I think for the most part, our effort uh, over the course of the season has been very good. It's just, you know, obviously we got – uh, you know, a lot of things we got to work on in the offseason to get better, to try to close out games. Uh, but as far as handling adversity and doing all those things, uh, we've been better as the year's gone on. Um, you know, and y- you see those three guys every day that are in here uh, on the scout team. Um, you know, it's going to help with bodies. It's going to help with depth. Uh, you know, to hopefully be able to win some of these games next year.
1: The one thing I think, and, and I made this comment Monday, that, that that thing that was really hard to stomach and watch on Sunday has no bearing on what the future of this program is going to be like. But what this year did do, I think, Ben, is identify some guys that can be a part of building you into a good competitive team in the league. Ivan's one of them. That's a guy you're going, we can work with that. That can play. That we know can be a part of our next two, three years with this program. And there were some other things that happened. So I think from that standpoint, it's this isn't going to be just what you say, a wasteful year. You did, one, set the culture, set what kind of team you're going to look like on the floor. And if you're a high school player or college basketball player and you watch the way Nebraska plays, you're like, that's pretty fun. I like that. They're out there going. Their guys have green lights to shoot. That, that will appeal to a lot of people. So I think set the foundation, set the style of play, and find a couple of parts with players that you're going – We can win with that, and I think they've done that this year.
3: They have, and just getting those building blocks and start to put together some confidence for next year as well. well. Nebraska will be going up against one of the better point guards in the Big Ten, a guy that likes to assist the ball, much like Cam Mack. Coach Hoiberg talked about defending Xavier Simpson, Michigan's point guard.
2: Yeah, he's, he's playing at such a high level right now. He's a leader overall in games uh, as far as assists per game. Uh, you know, He had a 34-point 30, game, 35-point game against Wisconsin uh, last week. He's got one of the most unique shots in college basketball with that hook shot with his right and left hand. Uh, he's shooting the ball well. He's 40-percent three-point shooter at home, so he's, he's really worked uh, on that element of his game. Uh, but he's just so dangerous. He, he's never done uh, as he's dribbling the ball. you got to stay in front. He's so good at getting you on his hip. Uh, and throwing that little hook shot over top of you. Um, and he's got and he's he's got elite vision. Uh, the other guy, Livers, uh, you know, poses a problem. And I think, you know, I think Wagner at the end of the day is going to be one of the better players in this league with his size and skill set. Uh, and then Teskey's, you know, 7 2. So, you know, it's going to be, uh, other than that, they're not very good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> not a big challenge. Um, man, they're, they're, they've got a lot of versatility, I think is the best way to describe Michigan. You know, you got. Some teams in the Big Ten that are loaded with bigs, some that are uh, – their guards are real good. But Michigan's pretty balanced. they got, they got a lot of parts.
1: And they've had quite a ride, right, up and down. Look great at times, look really beatable at other times. Let's hope they have a little dip tomorrow night. That would be great.
3: Uh, speaking of tomorrow night, it is their senior night. Coach Hoiberg talked about finishing the season on uh, somebody else's senior night of the last game of the year.
2: Well, especially, you know, first just talking about tomorrow's game with Michigan. You got two players that have done so much for that program that have played, uh, you know, Final Fours. And, you know, it's, it's a team that, uh, you know, I think it'll be a very emotional night for those fans and for those players uh, because of what they've meant uh, to that program, uh, you know, with Teskey and, and with. Uh, uh, with, with Xavier Simpson uh, so yeah it, it's you know going to be an initial burst we have to do the best job we can of, of hopefully going out and getting off to a good start withstanding uh, that first emotional run uh, that I think they'll have and then just trying to again play con- uh, competitive and um, you know complete 40 minute game we're going to have to be consistent if we're going to have a chance to win it
3: It's going to be a tough challenge on the road um, you will, you know, we've talked about it a lot during this losing streak we'll find out what this team's made of um, you know in this home
1: stretch here just a couple games left I think their effort will be pretty good tomorrow will it be enough gonna need Michigan to be off their game we've kind of known that for two months with this team but I think I think this team will still fight to the finish of the season I One guy that's never rude, we always love having on the program, joins us now. That's Mark Manny, Husker wrestling coach. Husker's headed to Piscataway, New Jersey, for the Big Ten championships this weekend. And, Coach, I can't believe we're already to the Big Ten tournament. This thing has flown by. I don't know if it has to you and the guys who are in part of the daily grind, but for us, man, this season has just gotten away.
5: Yeah, it sure does, Greg. It's uh, it's like Groundhog Day. It's just uh, repeat the week and, you know, with – with wrestling being a lot of Friday, Sunday matches, it's uh, you know usually quick turnarounds and and uh, you know getting on the road on a Thursday and then getting back late Sunday night, doing it all over again. The the, the weeks just fly by, and uh, like you mentioned earlier, you know the month of February was a flash. So uh, now it's that's a really fun time right now in March, and and uh, that's when we want to be wrestling our best.
1: Well, and you'll need to. I mean this is a this this conference been a, has been unbelievable this year for the top 5 teams in the country reside in the Big 10. How is this meet different coach than the NCAAs?
5: Well, it's it's not too much. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting enough, it's um it's like a mini national tournament in some ways. I mean, there's a number of weight classes um, I mean, C.J. Red as the number one and number two ranked guy in, this, in the country, and he's ranked fourth in the country. Um, so almost the same thing at, at 158, you know, or 165, I'm sorry, with Isaiah White, he's ranked fourth in the country, and he's got number one, number two, and number three in the yeah. country. Wow. In the Big Ten, you know, um, Eric Schultz got you know he's he's ranked I think fifth maybe, and he's got the number one ranked guy in his weight class. Heavyweight's got the top two heavyweights in the country in the Big Ten. So it's uh, you know, you you know you're uh, you went through a tough season with with the competition we faced in the Big Ten, and then you do it all over again this weekend. But you know, it's all. It really comes down. It doesn't matter what you did during the year, really. It matters what you do this weekend and then two weeks from, from now at the NCAA tournament. So it's really exciting. I think our guys in a good place.
1: You had that intense stretch about a month ago where it was Wisconsin one night, then it was Penn State, Iowa, Ohio State was mixed in there. You, you haven't had as much action in the last couple of weeks. Is that by design to give your guys a little bit of recovery time before you get in the league?
5: Yeah this this uh you know 2 weeks ago we wrestled Minnesota at Minnesota is on the road um and then we we took last weekend off which was by design in in past years we've we've had a non conference duel that we've forced in there we went out to Stanford a couple times so it's uh, yeah you know our league is so tough our guys are you know we we had some guys banged up in January and early February now we're we're as healthy as we've been at the beginning of the year. And so that's most important. And plus, we don't need any more competition. We just need <laughs> what's coming uh, here for us this weekend and then at the NCA. So um, I, I think we're, um, we're competition ready already.
1: You mentioned you had some guys banged up. One of those was Isaiah. I, I, do you, are you confident that he's yeah. got his legs back underneath him?
5: <sighs> yeah, absolutely. Him and Eric Schultz both had bad ankles. And uh, they're both 100% now. And Peyton Rob had a bad knee, um, little, uh, you know, just a little uh, ACL tra- strain. And and he's a lot better. He's 100%. So, and and CJ was was the same thing. He had a little banged up knee, and he's he's doing well. So, really like where our guys are, and they feel strong and healthy. And man, it's going to be a fun weekend.
1: You know, we, we've talked so much in the past about Isaiah and, 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 and C.J. Red. Eric Schultz looks like he's had an awfully good year for you. Coach, how would you assess his season to this point?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Eric Schultz, is, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's got a big motor on him, and Eric's always had that his whole career. And now he's, you know, guys develop. And, and part of the developing is, is figuring out what, what their strengths are and how to use them in competition you might know how to do it in, in the practice room, but you have to do it on competition. And Eric's really made that transition well and really developed his, his not only his skill set, but how his, you know, his style is and really forcing his style. He's very aggressive. And, you know, he really wants to make conditioning part of the battle. And um, he really forces people to to to, <laughs> to mix it up with him. And like you mentioned, he's... He's had a tremendous uh, season. Now he, now he, he, he's got his goals right in front of him, and he's he's uh, geared up.
1: We're visiting Nebraska wrestling coach Mark Manning. Huskers off to Piscataway this weekend for the Big Ten Championships. It's going to be war zone for some of that work there. One guy that, to me, a couple weeks ago, Coach, it just seemed off a little bit was Taylor Vince. What did you see from Taylor? And when you get a guy that's kind of just maybe off his game a little bit, as a coach, what do you do to try to build them back
5: up? Yeah, you know, just a lot of conversations with uh, with with Taylor. And Taylor, uh, for sure, in the, in the month of January, he was very up and down. And in February, he performed really well. You know, he, you know, he, he won, he beat a really tough Minnesota guy and he beat a really good uh, Michigan uh, opponent there the week before. And so he's, he's on a little bit of a roll now and he's at a really good place mentally. It's just guys get down and out. The season gets long, you know. Um, so it's, it's uh, <laughs> coaching's not easy. You got challenges of, you know, schoolwork, social life, guys trying to figure out how to be a national champ, they put extra pressure on themselves and, and usually they just start overthinking things and Taylor's at a really good uh spot right now. He's he's uh he's got a calmness to him and got a piece about himself and he's uh he's ready to be a national champ. So looking forward to it.
1: No doubt. Well, uh, Husker football starts spring practice on Monday. One guy that's uh, is a signee for them is not here yet. He'll be here over the summer is Nash Huntmacher, who has had an unbelievable prep wrestling career. And I know you're aware of Nash. Is there Have there been discussions, Coach, with Nash maybe doing some wrestling uh, once the football campaign ends, or is Scott Frost going to let you anywhere near that guy?
5: <laughs> well, I think Nash wants to definitely – that was uh, kind of – you know, when when I've talked to him in the recruiting process about coming over and working out and and do some training and off-season with us is probably definitely out there. Um, but it's all about what Scott and, and his staff feel, you know, Nash needs at the time. But we'd love to have him over the room. I know him well, and he's a tremendous guy and great competitor and just even better character type of guy. and. I think uh, pretty much the whole state of Nebraska <laughs> have has a pretty good grasp of what this guy's all about, and uh, it's you know just high character, humble, down to earth, hardworking guy. And man, you can't get enough of those guys on your team. Yeah,
1: no doubt. All right, what's what's kind of maybe the, the final message from you to your guys? I mean, when you get you gather the team before you head to the arena on Saturday, what are some of the final things you want them to be thinking about?
5: Oh, really? Just compete freely. You know, it's. Um, you know, pressure gets to people and, and uh, you know, the, the the fear of, you think, man, it should, should be an exciting time and it should be and that's why you, you want your team thinking and I think our guys, you know, just this year our, our team is different from the standpoint we went in Carver Hawkeye Arena and, you know, for wrestling people that don't understand what that's like, it's, it's a gauntlet. You know, 15,000 fans there that night and we we competed our butt off and you know, really had a chance to really win the duel. The score didn't really seem like it, but there was four matches that came down to the last takedown of the match, and so we're going to face some of those guys this weekend. We know Iowa's at their best at their home court, and uh, now we're going to compete against those guys on a neutral site, and we're really excited about that and um, uh, really just compete freely, you know, Greg. So. <laughs> We're, uh, we're excited about it.
1: Well, good luck, Coach. We'll be tracking it throughout the weekend and following how the Huskers are doing on the mat. We know you're going to represent the, the end proudly, and we certainly appreciate your time as always, Coach.
5: You bet, Greg. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.
0: It's time to buy or sell. Buy, sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's. Your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue. Made from scratch sides and award-winning desserts. Famous days, We do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty, Sold. and Mick Steiner. Yeah, we've
6: got a a rare, rare combination of buy sell tonight. We're not we're not sure if this is the first time. We think there might have been a crash test uh, sometime over the summer, but. We'll just say this is the first time. Did just you
3: guys have to go make a new open, or did you have that combo already <laughs> cocked
1: and locked?
6: We had to go make a new open, so that's why we think that uh, we haven't done this before.
1: I'm kind of nervous. Like I'm, I'm nervous. I think
3: this is going to be the calmest buy sell we've had I, in a minute. I don't think Mick has it in him, so we're going to see. Oh. And, and you're steering I'm, the ship, so I don't think you're going to yeah, be. Exactly.
6: So you don't, the two, two things have fire. already gone wrong. I'm steering the ship in Mick's here. All right. So let's jump into uh, this week's answers. Ben, you had a fantastic week, just hitting. We're gonna jump in men's oh. basketball. Buy or sell that Nebraska would hold Ohio State to fewer points or score more points than they did in their first matchup. Uh, the first matchup, Ohio State won 80 to 68. That ended up being a buy. They held the Buckeyes to 75 points this time around. Uh, still had the same outcome though. You guys both bought that and were both correct.
7: Okay, it's good. Good start. Moving on to Husker Baseball, we asked you guys to buy or sell that Nebraska would have at least two extra base hits in every game that they played against Arizona State. Greg, you did have a hot week. You bought that one. You were correct. Ben, you sold and were incorrect. Ben, come on. We had an extra base hit in two. Two in every game? In every game.
1: Well, Banjoff had a – okay, yeah, Banjoff had a – you had the home run and Banjoff's double. Okay. Friday night, you had five run scores. I think you had a couple doubles in there, well, didn't you? Polenski
3: homered on the first That's two. That's true. true. Banjoff had a double in each game. So.
6: Big game. All right. Uh, sticking with Husker, baseball buyers, sell that Nebraska would keep Arizona State off the board for the first three innings of at least one game this past weekend. That ended up being a buy. They kept them off the board for the first three innings on Saturday. You guys both bought that and were both correct.
3: Colby Gomez, hard to believe they score. I know, yeah. What was it? Uh, a lot, a lot. 37 runs in the series. Man. And Able to keep them off the board in the first three, and at least one.
1: You it's felt good.
6: really good at the start of that game.
3: Yeah.
1: And think about two, the last four innings of the series, Oscars gave up two. Mm-hmm. Six, seven, eight, nine inning of the game, the Sunday game. So yeah, there's seven of your third, but yet, poof.
7: Rest of the time it was not pretty. Yeah. big innings large innings we, we flashed it all right on to a sport that i spent a lot of time producing this weekend husker softball we asked you guys to buy or sell that nebraska would score at least three runs in an inning twice on the weekend and they actually did it four times wow you guys both sold and were incorrect Oof. good i'm glad we missed that yeah me too it's a good one to miss all right, uh, moving on
6: to a little college men's basketball buyer cell that the top three teams in the country last week, which was Kansas, Baylor, and Gonzaga, would be a combined plus 35 or better in their games on Saturday, the 29th. That ended up being a cell. Big, uh, big time. Big yeah. time sell. Kansas was plus three. Baylor, obviously, negative three. Or er, plus four. Uh, Baylor was negative three. They lost, obviously. Gonzaga only plus 10 for a grand total of plus 11, a far away. I'm plus thirty-five. Greg, you sold that, and we right. Ben, you were very wrong.
3: Yeah, I didn't see K-State playing Kansas close. I didn't see a bad TCU losing. a bad TCU team winning. Yeah, that was. And then surprising.
1: Gonzaga didn't help me out either. TCU's, no, yeah. TCU is winning in Lawrence right now in the second half. Wow,
7: wow. In college basketball, we asked you guys to buy or sell that the better-ranked Big Ten teams would go one and one last Saturday. And they actually went 0-2. The lower ranked teams won. Iowa beat Penn State and Michigan State beat Maryland. You guys both bought that one that they would go one-and-one, and we're both wrong.
3: Man, I even thought about that question for a long time too, and I thought the one-and-one one would be would be safe. But here we
6: go. Alright, moving on to a little professional basketball by ourselves that Bradley Beal would score 45 points or more in a game through play. Uh, on March 30, had four games in that time span, but it ended up being a sell. He scored 42 against the Jazz on the 28th. Uh, you guys both sold that though, and we're both correct.
3: I was gonna say I want to. I want to say he had 42 or 43, but yeah, mm. apparently it was 43. He got close. Close. Yeah. Very it's close. hard to get 45.
7: <laughs> yeah. He's been. On, he's been on fire though. Yeah. His past d- defensive be numbers no else not. else on so that much. team can score. <laughs> yeah. All right, we had an XFL one last week. We asked you guys to buy or sell that the Houston Roughnecks would beat the Dallas Renegades by six or more yeah. points on Sunday. <laughs> and once again, Greg was right and Ben was wrong. Houston won by seven, 27 to 20. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My uh, XFL knowledge is endless. The Roughnecks. <laughs>
7: well, so they covered by one point? <laughs> Correct. <laughs>
1: wow.
3: One is all it takes. Hey, so buy, sell. Bob Stoops let me down.
6: He did. Hey, It was a competitive game. So that was a game Bob. That's good. All right. Uh, wrapping up this week's answers a uh, little NFL combine buyers sell that the fastest 40 time in the 2020 NFL combine would be 4.29 seconds or faster. That ended up being a buy. And Ben, you called your shot. Uh, Henry Ruggs ran a 4.27. And then, correct me if I'm wrong in this pronunciation, but Javelin Goudry ran a 4.29. Uh, you guys both bought that or both correct.
3: Yep. Ruggs? rugs ran a disappointing time but to me the most disappointing time of the entire combine was jalen rager from tcu i Mm. i was really looking forward to watching him run and i mean i think he was in the 4-4 range i mean there was a lot of people that thought maybe he would get sub 4-2-5 and he was a whole two tenths off that so he'll he'll shatter that record and He'll shatter that mark in Fort Worth on his pro day, but yeah. that was really disappointing to see from him.
6: Like the the most fun forty to watch was probably that that three hundred and sixty pound lineman that ran a five point one. Yeah, that's it's faster than me. That's makes me feel not so great. Uh, let's, <laughs> uh, way let's, faster than you. Let's total up these the answers from uh, week. Let's see. What about with this week four of this season? Uh, Greg, you went seven of nine on the week. Ben, you went four of nine. Wow. So. Marketedly worse, uh, Greg. You are now 18 of 28 on the season. Ben down by four points at 14 of 28. Wow.
1: And, we w- and we won't have one of these next week. No, we plenty won't. of time. Well, all oh, summer, yeah. right?
6: Yeah. yeah, it's a small we sample all, size. We've Got
1: it all through August. Oh yeah, yeah.
3: Well,
6: there's this is a marathon.
1: Time.
3: Oh yeah. A yeah. Unlike the 40. <laughs>
6: All right. Well, jumping into next week's questions, uh, Husker men's basketball here, by or sell that Nebraska makes at least five threes in both of their next two games?
1: Yeah, All right. I buy it. What well, they have? They had twelve sat on oh, Sunday yeah, and lost. They were hot. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy that. Okay.
3: Two road games. Mm-hmm. Senior days. Did not make very many threes when we were at Ann Arbor last year. That was not a fun game to do. Um, But,
6: yeah,
7: I think they get five. All right. Sounds good. Already in Husker women's basketball, buy or sell that Nebraska scores at least 13 points in every quarter tomorrow in their Big Ten championship game against – Not championship. Well, tournament game. Tournament game. Rather. We wish. Uh, against Michigan. I'm going to sell it just because Later.
3: I don't think they even get to practice in the gym before the the play. So new arena, new sites, they use different balls, all that combined. There will be one quarter where they're off.
1: All right. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. You do, usually in a four-quarter game you have just a mm. dip in the 10-minute action. So I'll sell it as well.
6: All right, sounds good. A little men's basketball, women's basketball combo question here by sell that Nebraska men's and women's basketball make a combined 30 free throws in their respective Big Ten tournaments. Got to factor in if there's going to be a second game for the women there.
1: Sell. Sell.
3: Sell. Whoa, wow, wow. I mean, (laughs) if you apply the logic, (laughs) the men would need to shoot. A season high? Let's see, in the neighborhood of right around – you know, times that by eight, 240 free throws roughly. <laughs> if they continue that percentage they had against Northwestern between <laughs> 230 and 240 free throws to make 30.
7: Uh, just to think about that is just sad. That's so sad. Now keep in mind, if the ladies do win, then they have more than one game to get towards that total. Yep. <laughs> still, it still sounds like a hard sell from both, both boys there. Alrighty. On Husker Baseball, buyers saw that Nebraska scores at least six runs in every game this weekend. I think Fresno State scored
3: under six twice against them. Did they? Way more than six in the other two.
1: Sure, I'll buy it. All right. I'm buying it as well. I think this team offensively, getting back home, it's going to be kind of windy Saturday, Sunday. That usually adds to your run total. I like this Husker offense. I think they kind of rediscovered their mojo Sunday. I think that carries into this weekend.
6: Beautiful. All right, switching over to softball by ourselves That Nebraska comes from behind to win at least one game this
1: weekend. Play five, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see them dropping and getting down one nothing and coming back and winning. All Heck, right. yeah. I'm on the Red Team 45 train right now. (laughs) Good for you.
3: (laughs) I'm going to sell it. Not because I don't think they win one, but
7: Mm -hmm. the ones that they win. From behind. Yeah, the ones that they win, they're going to be in front the whole way. All right. Okay. Alrighty, we've got another combo question, this time from the Bat and Ball Sports. Buy or sell that Nebraska baseball and softball combine to strike out at least 85 opponents in the next two weekends. Mid-week, ca- midweek games are not included. So you're talking about eight
1: baseball games. Softball plays five this weekend and four next weekend, I mm-hmm. think. So nine, 17 games. Get my old calculator here. Yeah, I can, let me get a graphing calculator here. Nate would do long
6: division. <laughs> Nate would, yeah, all by hand, too.
1: What do you got? Five a game. What do you got, math wizard? Hmm. What well, seems like a really high number, doesn't it? Yeah. Is this
3: you for? I think it's me. I'll buy it. I think it happens. All right. Colby Gomez going to need to get me some, though. Five, five. Yeah, that seems high, doesn't it?
1: But they play 17 games. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a You bought it? Yeah. Let's be different. I'll sell it. All right. Sounds good. All right,
6: moving on to uh, men's basketball. From around the country, buyers sell that the one seed wins at least two of the Power 5 Conference tournaments. Uh, I don't think I need to tell you what the Power 5 Conference are
1: Not going to happen in the Big Ten, no. I don't think. Um, yeah, that's – yeah. I think UCLA is going to go in with the number one seed in the Pac-12, and I don't know that I see them winning that. So, ACC, who's going to win the ACC? That's a good question. FSU? It might be. Them or Virginia, maybe. Um,
3: Not Virginia.
6: Let's see. Uh, Louisville, Florida State, and then Duke a long shot at three and the three seed. So so two of the view. five,
1: no. So. All
6: right, going with the field. Two of
3: the five. No, I'm selling it, too. I don't think so. The only one I can really, s- like, legit see happening, I don't see it in the Big 12. I think Candace can win the tournament. Yeah. They could. Um Pac-12, no. Big Ten, no. SEC, no. I, it's a sell for me, I think.
7: Right. I might have a little bias here, but I think that Oregon's going to win both of their games this <laughs> weekend and win the Pac-12 tournament, and <laughs> we'll secure the two of them. Uh, but on to the next one. What, what, are they, what, a game back at UCLA. Uh, they, they have two games left UCLA has one And they will finish with a tie Oregon has the tiebreaker If they went, both went out Where, how, how did I come up with the UCLA was in first? Because they're a half game ahead right now Oh, gotcha, gotcha What's Oregon finish with? <clears throat> what's what,
6: that? Uh, what's Oregon's last two games?
7: Yeah uh, Cal and Stanford at home Hmm Yeah, oh, they, they probably, probably won't win well that Yeah Alrighty, on to the next one Also, college men's basketball postseason, buy or sell that at least three of the four teams currently ranked in the top of the AP poll receive a one seed in the NCAA tournament. And I'll help you out a little bit here. Those teams are Kansas, Gonzaga, Dayton, and Baylor. And then the next few that are in contention are San Diego State, Kentucky, Florida State, and Southern. Hall. So the question again is, buy or sell that at least three of the four teams currently in the top of the AP poll, receive a one seed in the NCAA tournament.
3: So three of the top four right now?
7: Yeah. Correct. And the four are Kansas. Baylor, San Diego State, and no not San the Diego four State. right now are Kansas, Gonzaga, Dayton Dayton, and Baylor. No. I'm selling. All right. Baylor's not. No, Baylor. So
1: I'm the, buying.
3: So the rest yeah, have to. I'm buying. You think Dayton's gonna get the one seed? Wow.
6: <laughs> Well, I think three of those four are going to be one seeds. All right. Yeah, are you buying Baylor? Do you, yeah. You you did say that you thought the, those two losses might help Baylor won 21 straight them.
1: games in a row. I mean, yeah. I know they stubbed their toe the other day against TCU, but they came back and won Monday mm-hmm. against Tech. That was a close one, though. It was yeah, close, we, but they, they've they done enough right now. Their resumes rock. They're not dropping below a one. They're just you, not. They're resu- I think they have the most top 20 wins of any team in the country. Oh, okay. They're, they're a lock. a lock. Candace knowledge. is a lock. And Gonzaga's not going to get beat in the West Coast no. Conference. Conference. Yeah. Unless, uh, who was it? Was it BYU? Port- P- Portland?
3: Someone else. Portland, San Francisco. Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. San
1: Francisco. All right,
6: uh, moving on to the big boys here. NBA or sell that the New York Knicks will finish with at least 25 wins this season. They currently have 19.
1: Who did they beat the other night? They're getting blasted again tonight. Uh, they beat somebody two go. nights ago or something.
3: Might have been the Sixers or something. Kind of an upset,
1: whoever they beat the other Let's night. See. Twenty-five
6: wins for the Knicks. Yeah, they is, got the Bulls the other night. Is, is Dolan
1: beat. still the owner?
6: Oh, they beat the Rockets actually.
3: Yeah, the Rockets. That's a
6: big win. Yeah, Dolan is still the owner. Okay, so no. So yeah, so, no. There you go.
3: The Jazz are blasting the Knicks tonight.
6: Oh yeah, twenty almost a twenty-point game at the end of third.
3: Um, they need to win seven more. Uh, it's
6: six more. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Six weeks to win six games. They are terrible. Yeah, they're pretty- <laughs> Dolan, wor- one of the worst owners. Oh my gosh. In the world, brutal, isn't it? Yeah. I think
3: R.J. Barrett still really ho- was hoping he got
1: picked by the Knicks. I
6: man, I feel bad for that kid. Uh, did you He's see? He's not Sp- having
1: a great year either. No. Did you see Spike
6: Lee? He's not going to the games yeah, anymore.
1: Yeah, he got no. Dolan, didn't they ban him?
6: Yeah, well they didn't ban him. He did they wouldn't let him go in the employee entrance that he said he's been using for the last twenty five years, and they released a pretty immature PR statement about it. I'd i urge you to go look that up. It's pretty He's only
3: spent ten million dollars with that franchise Seriously? in the last twenty five years.
1: I would I would probably cut him off too if he was providing that much support. Have they become <laughs> the Clippers? Just like a wretched franchise now in the I NBA. Mean, yeah, like Major market.
3: Clippers with the history is
1: a thing. You want to know how terrible ESPN
3: social media is? <laughs> I saw a post on, like, Instagram or something, like, like, 365 days earlier it was, mm. imagine how different New York could look next year, and it was Durant, uh, Zion, man. and AD. Kyrie. Oh, Kyrie, yeah. <laughs> as yeah. the big three. And Not nobody. Not quite <laughs> there, but... <laughs> It's Close. A, It's amazing
6: how every year we come around the free agency rumor mill, and the Knicks are always in it, but they never get that guy.
3: Brett, who did they trade for uh, Porzingis for? You know that is a really good question
6: because I'm pretty sure those players probably don't even play for the Knicks anymore. I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah,
3: but I, Porzingis is having a great year with
7: yeah. Dallas. Yeah, it's yeah. James Dolan, not good. All right, in our final question of the evening, buy or sell that the San Diego Padres win at least eight of their next twelve games. <laughs> in in the
1: <laughs> Cactus League play? <laughs> yeah. That is correct. Why? Why? Are they off to a good start or something? What what am I missing here? <laughs> Commissioner's choice here. Okay. Oh, oh god. Yeah. Hey, you
6: don't you, you don't like the Padres? Do split squad games count? Sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll say yeah on that one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Give me the field. Sell on the Padres. <laughs> We were running short of topics this week, or something. Why not the Phillies? Does somebody
6: like the Padres? I don't know, man. I don't. Know. San Diego. Did we went to San Diego a couple weeks ago. I don't know.
1: I, yeah, I'm with Ben. I'll sell. I uh, taking a field. I mean I, I have no reason to even know either way. <laughs> I don't. You're not following Padres baseball no, this not. time of the year, man. Eric Cosmer's still there? Lock yeah. in, man. Manny Machado. Manny Machado. Chad Paddock. Is uh, Will Meyer still there, or did they trade him? I think he's still there. Has Matt Kemp made his
6: sixth appearance there yet?
3: Matt Kemp is not with them. I think he's...
7: Who is Matt Kemp? Yeah, who is that guy? <laughs> oh, by the way, two home runs. All right, I think I may have found the reason behind this question. The San Diego Padres are 9-2 and two in the Cactus League, scoring the most runs and giving up the least so there far. There so Okay. Just dominating the spring. Yeah, okay.
6: See, has a has a pulse on the...
3: No, how I, many? How many Padres could we name?
1: Five. I think I just did all the ones I could. Non. Fernando
3: Reyes got traded to Cleveland. He was kind of their young bopper. Fernando Tatis is their shortstop. There you go. Um, Freddie Galvis, maybe.
1: <laughs> Give me a starter, Chad Paddock. There you yeah, go.
6: We are scraping You're the one puppy.
1: up on me. <laughs> oh uh, boy!
6: Uh, Woo! Well, that's scraping the barrel. That's, that's a good all right. Padres go. baseball. Padres baseball is how we
1: end that by sell There you go. Got to love it. Love it. Well done, boys. They did okay, right? Those, yeah. That combination was all right. I would invite that crew back. Okay. I'm we'll get an invite to come back to be a part of buy Cell.